Good morning. Welcome. We gather here in the presence of Almighty God to come and to gather and worship. And uh, we gather here on Palm Sunday, the day that we remember Christ as our King, who has come even in the face of opposition to establish God's kingdom now and forever. And so we give thanks for that. I have a couple, a couple things just to share. If um, there's going to be a, a procession of palms that the kids can participate in, in just a moment, if there's any kids out here that haven't gone down there, can head to the, um, the entryway to receive their palm. A couple other things to mention that we'll have a, a coffee and fellowship time after church. It's just like it was last week. It'll be at the McPherson Playground. There's a handy map in the, at the back of your order that can direct you how to get there. But please, if you're if able, stay after. It'll be a chance to enjoy some coffee and a chance to see each other. Um, also, we have a Holy Week services coming up. There's a, they're in your order, but also there's a print-off if you would like to take one or if you have a friend or family member you want to share that with. Um, on Thursday is Monday, Thursday. We remember Jesus' Last Supper with his disciples. That's here at 7 o'clock. Then on Friday is Good Friday. We remember Christ's crucifixion, and that's at 6 o'clock here at the Nazarene Building. Uh, there will be child care provided during the Good Friday service. And then our Easter Sunday service is at 9 o'clock uh, next Sunday. A couple other things just to mention from children's ministry. Um, I said this; these were here last week, but in case you didn't get one, there are uh, wrapped uh, gifts from the children's ministry, the, a book about the Apostles' Creed for kids. So if any families that would like to pick one up, they are um, on the table as you come, come into the building. Also, each of the kids downstairs in children's worship and preschool class will receive a, a book about Easter and a palm cross today. Uh, you're welcome to grab those as well if you have family members or friends to share them with. Um, and if you just want a palm cross, I love these, you know, <laughs> you can grab them on the way out. Uh, there's a bunch of them at the welcome table. So please help yourself. If you have questions finding them, you know, please let me know. Well, God has gathered us in his presence. Uh, and as we prepare to come to worship, let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. Would you please stand for our call to worship? Would you join me in reading Luke 19? When Jesus drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloak on the coat, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. 
And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out.
Please be seated. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty and eternal God, King of kings and Lord of lords, you truly are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our awe. Lord God, we come to you this day knowing that you rule over heaven and earth, that you are mighty to save that you are mighty to restore. And yet we see in Christ Jesus a king who comes, one that is lowly, one that draws near to us and is gentle, one that comes not to rule with the power of the sword, but to rule with the power of grace and mercy and peace. Lord, as we witness these palms, would we know deep in our hearts and souls that you reign in the world around us, that you live and you move around us. Yet, God, we also acknowledge that too often we come to you not truly believing that you are the king, not truly believing that you are the one that calls us to follow you, and that you are worthy to follow. Lord, we ask that you would draw near to us in our weariness when we feel like we want to run away. Would you draw to us when we are hiding from you and from others, and that we would know that you are gentle and you bring us home. Lord God, we ask that you would be with those in particular this day who are grieving the loss of loved ones, whether recently or whether years ago, Lord, the grief still carries weight in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we ask that you would come, that you would come and speak your good news to us this day, that you would lift up our weary knees, that you would put us on solid ground, and that we would find our hope and trust in you. We pray this in Christ's holy name, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Amen. Well, as we continue to pray, God invites us to come to him with our confessions, with our sins. We'll first do this publicly, and then we will do this private, uh, with a private confession. Let us pray. The crowds shouted, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They spread their cloaks on the ground and rejoiced as Jesus approached Jerusalem. But the same crowds shouted, Crucify him. Just a few days later, Gracious God, we often acknowledge you with our lips, while our hearts are far from you. We struggle to follow you when the way is too long or difficult. Give us courage to be faithful to you in all circumstances, to share in Christ's obedience and humility. Come to me, oh, who are we? 
you to take a moment of personal quiet confession. King Jesus, as you entered into Jerusalem, you were sat upon the cross itself, enthroned and lifted up, so that we might have the forgiveness of sins, that our sins might be washed away by your blood. Lord, we thank you that in Christ Jesus we have forgiveness, and that although we often are faithless, that you are faithful to us. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand with me and say these words of assurance that come from Psalm 59. I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. Was Christ has welcomed us, lowly sinners, into his presence Welcome one another.
This morning's Old Testament lesson comes from Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 through 9a. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened up my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let, a, let him come near me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? The New Testament lesson comes from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jeff, for reading from God's Word for us. I'm thankful for our chance to gather and look at God's Word. Um, we're going to look at a passage from Luke uh, 19 that we read together at the beginning of the service that tells us about Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. It's interesting to, on, to gather on Palm Sunday and to think uh, that you know around 2,000 years ago that Jesus was entering into Jerusalem, that there were palms waving and songs being sung, that there were these signs given to him, of respect, uh, and that this brought joy to many people, uh, but it also brought anger to some. It's just interesting to think about this event that happened many, many years ago, uh, but that it also speaks to us today. That Jesus entered 2,000 years ago to Jerusalem, but he has things to say to us today. And in order for us uh, to hear, to help us hear, I want to highlight two parts of the story we'll read in just a moment, but first we'll look at the colt, this young donkey, and then second we'll look at the stones, the stones that were ready to shout if others were not giving witness for Jesus. So let's look at our passage. This is from Luke 19, verse 28 through 40. You can follow in your order of worship or your Bible or just listen as I read. And when Jesus had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. 
So those who were sent away went away and found just, just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, the owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God, and with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is God's word given for our good. Well, as I mentioned, uh, there's two parts I want us to look at, two things to highlight that will help us hear from Jesus today. The first being this colt, this young male donkey, and the second, the stones. So we can start with the colt. Through this animal, Jesus intentionally sets himself as the king come to establish God's kingdom. But before he is riding on this animal, Jesus is walking. That's how our passage begins. He's walking. He's on a journey of many miles to Jerusalem. And as he journeys, we should imagine in our, our minds that he is with many other pilgrims making their way to the capital, many of the going to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, to remember God liberating his people out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. And the context tells us that Jesus in his travels is going from Jericho. This is a city that was near the lowest point on the earth, the driest, like the place of dry ground that's at the lowest is right there by the Dead Sea. 420 meters below sea level. And from this lowest point, Jesus makes the slow climb from Jericho. He eventually comes to two villages, Bethpage and Bethany, just outside Jerusalem. And as he climbs, he moves out of the barren, dusty desert in exchange for the lush and the green growth, arriving at a mount just east of Jerusalem. It's called Olivet, named for the olive groves that cover its slopes. And here, if we can picture with him, here he pauses. Here Jesus is overlooking Jerusalem, this capital city, the place of the temple, glistening in the sun, resting on a slightly smaller hill just across a narrow but deep valley. And it's here that Jesus' plan comes into effect. He has a plan that he will enter riding on an animal. And not just any animal, but a colt. And so he draws two followers aside and gives them a mission. Go and find the colt that I have prepared. And whether we're new to the church and to Palm Sunday, or we've been part of this for many years, it's worth us asking, what what is Jesus doing? Why spend numerous lines in the scriptures telling us about his plan to secure a cult? Well, maybe to help us think about this, let's, let's imagine for a moment that you're out and you see a woman wearing a beautiful white dress. Maybe it has a long train behind it. 
Maybe she's holding flowers. You're out, maybe you see her at the Botanical Gardens or downtown or outside a church having her photo taken. What are you seeing? Right? We, we don't need to ask. We don't need to ask her or others what's going on. We know in that context what we're seeing, that he, she is a bride getting ready to be married. Sir, we don't know the details of the story. We don't know the person's name. We don't know certain things. But we know that she is going to be part of a special ceremony. And I mentioned this symbol, this cultural or visual sign to help us understand what Jesus is doing here. He's intentionally using a sign that everyone in his day would have known right away. They would have recognized. And it tells them about who he was and how he saw his purpose, the story that he was a part of. You see, 500 years earlier, the prophet Zechariah had said, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout for joy, O Jerusalem. See, your king will come to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, riding on a donkey colt, the foal of a donkey. See, Jesus knows that prophecy, just like all those who were part of God's people knew that prophecy, and they knew especially during that time of the Passover, longing for a king that would be different, one who was righteous. And this royal symbol that Jesus evokes or brings forth is immediately recognized, and there is an immediate response. The disciples see what he is doing, and they take their place in the story putting their cloaks on the colt to make a saddle, lifting him up on the animal. And as others see what's happening, they too spread their precious cloaks, their, their outer robes along the road to make a triumphant royal carpet for the king. Now Luke, in our passage, doesn't mention the palms being waved or the branches putting down, but we know that's the case from the other gospel writers. That in addition to the cloaks, the people wave the royal palm branch as a sign of a royal welcome. In all these actions, they too had a place in the story. They knew what they were doing. They were all actions saying, King Jesus, I welcome you and I honor you. Jesus' plan is into effect and he is going down, down the steep valley to make his way to the other hill across to Jerusalem. And as they go down into the valley, the crowds begin to sing from Psalm 118. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And the crowds take this ancient song, the one that was for the king that they had longed for, and they make it specific, they make it personal. Blessed this one that comes. Bless this one. And with the cult in the entry, Jesus is saying to us, to all of us, that the great story of God's redeeming his people is reaching its climax in me. That our hope of salvation, our hope of liberation, our hope of freedom, that there's something more than our sin or the voices that tell us who we are, rests in Christ. I am the king who will establish God's kingdom in this broken world.
the young donkey, the colt, invites us to see this good news and to hear it again today. As I said, many years have passed, but Jesus has something to say to us today to invite us to one who can bring freedom and liberation. Well, not only are we to look at this animal, but also Jesus references another object in part of his coming in Jerusalem. The second thing I want us to consider is the stones that he highlights. Did you notice what he says? That the crowds, they understand what is being claimed, and they take their part. They pick up their royal symbols and the, the royal song. And the Pharisees, those serious law keepers who were so often troubled by what Jesus did or said, they understand as well. They know what Jesus is doing here. And how do they respond? Stop. This is not right. Maybe we can even picture another scene, some other place where you, someone is troubled by what's happening and they just, we just, we have to stop this. This is not okay. And what is Jesus' response? You know, does he say, you're right, you know, wow, things have, things have gotten out of hand here. I didn't know it was going to get so loud and so exciting. No, he says to them, I tell you, if they are silent, the very stones would cry out. I'm sure, like me, all of us at times hear reasons why people you know, have doubts about Christianity or about who Jesus is, or, and we could talk about those at, at length. Um, but one here that I think is worth pointing out is that, at least I have heard it many times, that you know, Jesus didn't mean for these things to kind of get carried away so far. That Jesus came and he was an interesting teacher, interesting healer, but it's a church that took this way too far giving him titles of royalty or divinity. He should never have been held up more than an interesting reformer. But in that thought, in that idea, it's, it's worth seeing what he's doing here. That all four Gospels tell us the same event, that, that Jesus took a symbolic and intentional entry to say who he is. He makes clear if there's anything we can take away from Paul Sunday, it's Jesus making clear that he's more than a wonder worker, more than a zealot, more than a rabbi or a reformer, that such titles are much too small for who he claims to be or what he's claiming to accomplish. And the stones are ready. <laughs> they are ready to give witness if men and women are silent. The stones in the ground are ready to remind us that even in the face of human sin and human suffering and human powers and agendas, that Jesus has come to establish God's eternal righteous kingdom and that all creation longs for this to be the case. And this kingdom, it stands in opposition to the corrupt powers of the world and it confronts all other loyalties, confronting even us. You see, the, the image of stones crying out, it brings us back to the crowds in the song that they were singing. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. As I mentioned, that's from Psalm 118, and that, that whole psalm has a theme of opposition and reversal. Opposition and reversal. 
Some of the lines, the Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Far better to take refuge in God than trust in people, even the strong and the powerful. I was pushed hard, right to the cliff's edge, ready to fall, but the Lord grabbed me and held me. God is my strength, and he is my song and my salvation. And all these lines of opposition and reversal build up to a kind of a crescendo of the psalm that the stone the builders rejected has now become the foundation stone. The stone that was rejected has become the cornerstone. And this is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. We can hardly believe it, the psalm says. You see, Jesus receives this song as he is riding into Jerusalem. In the next chapter in Luke's gospel, he quotes it about himself saying, do you want to know who I am? I am the rejected stone that is now the cornerstone. The one that God is using to establish his kingdom. And it's worth us noting this psalm is at the heart of Jesus' work here because there is an inherent tension an inherent tension in observing Palm Sunday. For the lowly king comes in righteous to bring freedom, but yet he is crushed and rejected. And we know that there's an inherent tension in the kingdom of God coming to bring freedom in the midst of a broken and sinful world. Jesus points us to the stones. We might not think about it this way, but he is offering a poetic line, a poetic image, stones crying out. I don't know how you feel about poetry. Some of us like it. Some of us might not like poetry. It brings back nightmares maybe from school. But as we think about Jesus offering this poetic line, there is a person who, when talking about poetry, writes this. All poetry begins with the same thing, slow down. All poetry invites us to the same thing, slow down. Even an unambitious or trifling poem demands it, slow down. And when Jesus references these stones and uses this poemic image of stones crying out in witness to him, He's inviting you and me to slow down, to take a posture in which we have stillness, to even consider who we are, what we're doing, what the world is asking of us, to listen to the whisper of the Spirit that there is something more, something different from the demands and the expectations of the world around us. You can think of Jesus' parable from Matthew 13 when he's talking about the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God like? He says one way to think about it, it's like a grain of mustard seed that a person takes and plants. This grain, this mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds, but when it grows, it becomes larger than all the other garden plants and becomes a tree so that birds of the air can come and make nests in its branches. 
Jesus is inviting us to look at him and his kingdom like this small seed. It looks insignificant, but it grows to be a great tree providing shelter and a home, a place of refuge. Think of Jesus here. The colt that Jesus rides must be borrowed. He borrows it. The only riches Jesus has are his holiness, his graciousness, and his love. The Gospels tell us he had nowhere to lay his head and that his ministry was intentionally oriented towards the least and to the weary and the lost and that he came as good news to the poor and forgotten. Here is the stone that has been rejected, not what was expected. Yet when he's been planted in the ground through Jesus, the kingdom grows into a shelter for many from all nations. What is Jesus saying to us today? He's inviting us to see himself and his kingdom in the midst of this world. He's also saying, slow down. In a culture that says life is found by looking out for yourself, that life is found in securing your own comfort, that life is found in controlling things or creating distance between you and those who are difficult or between those who have needs and your own resources. In such a culture, the stones give witness to Christ. We may be silent and the world may demand us to be silent, but they are ready to give witness, ready to affirm that maturity and that success is not the ability to be free of others or control them, but that maturity and success is following the king who humbled himself who entered a city full of tension and needs, who saw his life, his resources, as a gift to give others in the name of God. Jesus, the rejected stone, enters detention and invites us to trust him. He affirms a reality beyond the powers, the judgments, and the ways of the world. And in the midst of our wounds and our unfaithfulness and our sorrows, he affirms a shelter that cannot be taken away. And he calls this reality the kingdom of God, and he has established it. And no power can change it or overcome it, and he invites us to find our rest and our home in it. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, that you are the king who has come. We thank you that you are a king who is righteous and victorious, not through crushing us, but by coming and drawing near into the darkest places, carrying our sin and even our death. Lord, we give you thanks, and we ask that you'd help us to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand, please, and we'll sing together. Right on, right on.
of love, Jesus entered Jerusalem in triumph and was proclaimed King of Kings by those who spread their cloaks and branches along his way. Almighty God, you have redeemed us through Jesus, and we hail him as our King. Having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. In just a moment, I'll invite you forward. You come down the two center aisles and go back on the sides. Before we, that invitation is a good chance to stop and remember the table that Christ has set for us. To be reminded that our king is a king who has come to lay down his life for us. And to be reminded each week as we gather, as we find our place around God's table, it's not because of what we've done or what we promised to do. But from beginning to end, it's because of the mercy and grace of Christ for us. That he took our sin upon himself, dealing with it on the cross, and he gives us his righteousness and his resurrection, that in Christ, united to him by faith, we are fully received by God. Our place at the table is secure because it's in Christ, not ourself. This is the good news. If you know that good news, then let this table be an encouragement to you to, to, to walk in it. If you do not know that news or are still thinking about it, let this table be a witness, a sign. Let the bread and cup proclaim the good news that God has come to make sinners his sons and daughters through Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this table, and we pray for the bread and cup that you set them apart and that by your spirit that you'd meet us and strengthen us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
The same way after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Whereas often we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. We'll have servers uh, at each of the two, two aisles, and I invite you to come forward to receive communion. If you're not taking communion today, I still invite you to come forward. If you'd like to receive a blessing, you can just put your arm across your chest, and Pastor Eric or, pa- or myself will offer a blessing for you. I ask if you're able that you would hold the elements until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink together. Those who are helping serve can come to the altar rails at this time.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. When Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins, let us drink in faith. I invite you, if you're able to stand, that we can pray and sing together as God's people in response to this table of grace. Lord, give us courage to take up the cross of our King and follow him. Take a moment to invite uh, Rob Globke up. Rob's, uh, maybe you know, is one of our mission partners, and he's going to share a brief update in a way that you can support what he's doing with the hockey community. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to be long. Um, just two quick things. One, uh, I just want to say thank you. Uh, some of you more directly and all of you indirectly support what I do through Hockey Ministries, and uh, really what, it, what I do is I get to share the love of Christ um, with people. And it just happens they predominantly are hockey people. Uh, I get to share it with kids from like six, five, six, all the way up to NHL players and beyond. Uh, and hockey has proven to be a very good avenue to reach people that otherwise wouldn't find themselves sitting in a church like this. So um, I thank you for allowing me to do that. And um, I, I'm married to my wife, Elizabeth. And she often reminds me that, uh, yes, hockey players really do need to hear about Jesus. And before I can say, hey, like, I, I'm like, yes, you are right. And she's talking about me uh, first and foremost, but there's also a lot of hockey players out there that need to hear about Christ. So that's the first reason I'm up here and to say thanks. And then the second reason, as Chad mentioned, I could share a bunch of stories uh, about all the things God has done through hockey. Uh, but the best way to learn about what I do and what our ministry does is to come to a breakfast. I'll have a bunch of these flyers uh, out on the table after church. Uh, we host a, a breakfast on April 30th um, at 8.30 a.m. I know it's early, uh, but we have a few former NHL players uh, coming to share about how our hockey ministries has impacted their life and how God has uh, brought them to where they are today. So it's April 30th at 8.30 a.m., uh, like I said, on this flyer, there is a website with all the info, or you can just simply talk to me uh, after church or the next couple Sundays, and I could give you more information on that as well. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm a, we'll say a prayer. But before I, in the, in the order of worship, there's the website, and it also says 8 a.m. So look, it's 8.30 a.m., not 8 a.m., so you just gained a half hour. Let's, let's pray for Rob and his ministry. Lord, thank you for Rob and his family. Pray that you bless them, and we thank you for uh, their faithfulness to you and the desire to share the good news of Christ. And so we, we thank you for that work, and we pray that you would provide for their needs. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to invite uh, 
that's the, can respond to God's generosity by giving, so the, the greeters can come forward with the offering plates and uh, those plates so we can uh, pass them through the, the pews, and this is a chance for us to respond to God's uh, generosity. You can give into the offering plate or you can give to the church's website. Uh, there's a giving tab that you can give that way. Uh, just a reminder uh, that we have Holy Week services coming up uh, on Thursday and Friday. And the, uh, the welcome table on your way out, you can learn more about the hockey breakfast. You can pick up some um, gifts from the Jones Ministry and a Palm Cross. Uh, but if you want to take a flyer about the uh, Holy Week services, they're there as well. Uh, and also, please stay after today. There is a, a, a coffee time over at the playground. Um, it'd be great to have you stay and spend time together after the service. I forgot to mention one other thing, that if, uh, if you like to share your contact information with the church, there is some welcome uh, contact cards uh, on the welcome table. You can fill it out and just drop it in the little bucket there. Or in the back of the uh, order with all the announcements, you'll see a little scan code that you can uh, contact. You can get the connect card there and fill that out online. So I invite you to do that. Let's stand now and sing together uh, the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, all above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy now God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace now and forever. Amen. May go in peace. Thank you.